0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Sheila Zelinsky show. It is Sunday, November 8th and I have really been spending a lot of time in prayer. I'm going to tell you something. Wow. I had a lot of emails since Tuesday, let me tell you. And boy, oh boy, the last 72 plus hours, I don't think I've ever felt such a range of emotions. You know, when I see a man like President Donald J. Trump, taking the kind of punishment that he has been, it is unbelievable to me. A sitting president of the United States being censored on Twitter. I mean, this is next level Stasi madness. Yeah, we get by now the voter fraud. (laughs) I think we get it. You know, Trump fills stadiums and Biden can't fill a minivan. And then suddenly, miraculously, there was what, 138,000 votes found and 100% of them went to Biden in Michigan. Really? Are we supposed to believe any of these results? We look at Arizona, we look at Pennsylvania, we look at voter fraud upon voter fraud. We see these turncoats in the mainstream media. Oh, and by the way, MSM, Satan called, he wants his throne back. I mean, this is next level Stasi. When the president of the United States, a sitting president, is getting suppressed and censored by big tech. I mean, this stuff is frightening. I posted something on social media and somebody said, you know, not your monkey, not your zoo as a Canadian. You know, as a Canadian, one might say that I don't have a dog in this fight. (laughs) I beg to differ. The world has a dog in this fight because if the usa goes down the rest of the world falls like dominoes into the new world order i had a little funny thing i posted on twitter if you don't vote for joe biden you ain't dead (laughs) why does everyone over 130 years old always seem to vote democrat Weird. No, but listen, I got focusing on a scripture and I really wanted to have Carla, my friend Carla, come on the show because we did a show a while back and it reminded me of where we are right now. And I kept thinking of this scripture. There's a couple of things that says in Psalm 112. Listen to this. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Jesus said in John 18, 36, reminds me a lot of what we're going through right now. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, nor does it have its origins in this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting hard to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. So think about that right now, folks. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know, although the outcome of this election's not yet known, and it seems almost unbelievable what we're watching, but here's the crucial point of this. And really, this was brought out in a teaching, Carla, that you did, you know, whether it's this COVID insanity, the election lunacy, the whole point in this is, regardless of what is going on, what we're facing, our response should always be the same. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I think this really ties into a show you've done in the past, but it also ties in to some of the things God has been showing you since really the beginning, I think, of this year, and even how it ties into a teaching you did quite a few years ago.
1: All right. Well, what she's referring to, is a show I did years ago and when she came to my house in March we were talking about all of this because it was very fresh at that time and I really didn't even know what to think I mean I am seeing things going on in my country that I have never experienced the likes of it I mean we've had things happen in America we've had things happen in China things happen in Africa things happen at different times but this is the first time in my lifetime and I'm 66 years old it was fascinating the whole world. And it was shocking. I mean, I didn't even really know what to think about it. All that I knew when people would say, what do you think about this? Well, I think this is something and it's huge and it's happening to the whole world. And I don't know what the purpose of it is, except that it is a huge distraction in everybody's life. And as I had thought about it, and I told Sheila, this reminds me of a show I did years ago, because I think the way we as Christians, the whole world is reacting to this. But to me, the way Christians are going to react to this is going to be an example to the world. It will show the world who we judge our God to be, because the scripture is 1 Peter four seventeen, and it says that judgment must begin at the house of God. And I always thought that that meant that God's judgment against the world would first start with the church. And I do believe part of that is true. But the other side of it that God showed me was how we react is going to show the world who we are judge our God to be. Because if we are people of faith, faith without works is dead. And when that uh, scripture was made clear to me, it's not faith that causes me to be helpful to people or faith that causes me to feed the poor or whatever we are doing. But it really means That when we experience something that should put a demand on our faith so that we are not shaken by whatever it is that's happening, that is working our faith. And so faith without works is dead so that if we as believers behave just like the world does when these crises happen, Then how are we any different from the world? So Sheila had me look that up and she put it on air. And if you didn't hear it, it would be good for you to go back because there's so much in that teaching that was a teaching way before its time actually. And that's why this COVID stuff caused me to think about that teaching. Okay, so I have been quiet. I didn't do any shows on any on any platform for a long time because I wasn't quite sure how I even felt about it. How I, I mean, I know that I was not fearful or any of that, but my question finally became to be to God. Where do I fit into all of this? How does this affect me as an individual? And so as I posed that question to him, as time went on, he began to drop things into my memory. There were three dreams that I had, and I've talked about this crocodile dream, so I won't start with that one, but there was a dream that I had some years ago. I wish I'd have written the date of it down now, but anyway, it was at least seven years ago, and it was I was traveling in the dream I was traveling to Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, and the last leg that's a five and a half hour drive from my house, and the last two hours of it just seemed to be the longest stretch because one part of it is a hundred miles of highway. so in the dream, I was on this hundred miles and I was traveling east and For some reason, the highway was completely taken up with military vehicles. There were tanks, trucks, Hummers, Jeeps, every military vehicle you can imagine. And it's two lanes going east, and both lanes had military vehicles. And, of course, it caught my attention, and I'm wondering what's going on. But at the same time, I was in my car, I was on the shoulder, and where the military vehicles, the traffic on the highway was at a snail's pace. I was on the shoulder, and I was driving 75, and I was going about my business, and this had no effect on me at all. Now, that's as far as I got in the dream, except that I passed at one time a Hummer. I remember it was a Hummer and as I passed it, I looked into the window. There was only a driver in it and it did not look human. For some reason, it was female to me, but it didn't have human features. It was almost like a human wearing a gas mask. That's the kind of look that was the face of this person. It wasn't a person, but anyway, it kind of reminds me now of artificial intelligence. You know, they're making these robots and everything. That's kind of what it looked like to me. Okay, so I woke up and that was the end of the dream. Not long after that, I had another dream about my daughter and I were at a retreat of some sort and we were in a building and it was kind of a large room and we were packing and I knew that something had happened. It's like I felt the rumble of something big that happened in my feet I could it was moving the the earth and I went to the window because I was thinking my gosh what is happening I went to the window and I'm looking and I don't see anything it's a beautiful day but as I continued to look because I knew something had happened I just didn't know where or what so as I'm continuing to look out the window I see at a distance this cloud and it wasn't like a cloud in the sky It was some kind of a cloud, and it was not up in the sky. It was from the sky to the ground. It was rolling toward us, and it was very ominous to the point that in my mind, I thought, this might kill us. And so I'm I'm standing there kind of just waiting for it to happen because I didn't know what was going on. The cloud comes. You know how when the Twin Towers fell, it showed the clouds that rolled through the city, kind of like that. So it comes, it comes over the building, it's over the building, it continues to be over the building, so you know that the cloud is moving, but it's so, so large that it's taken a long time to pass. Well, when it finally did pass, the skies were clear again, and I was surprised that nothing happened to us. It had no effect on me and my daughter who were in the room. And so I just looked at her and I said, we need to get home. Okay, then I woke up from that dream. What that caused me to do was have an idea that if something like that were to happen, it's almost like uh, there was something going on in our country at the time, and there was some talk about martial law. There were some different political and military things going on, and I wasn't real in tune to it. But it, those two dreams caused me to think that perhaps there is coming something like that. And so it caused me to call all three of my children who live away from me. And I told them, I said, look, if anything really big happens in our country, that they would put martial law into effect. In other words, wherever you are, that's where you have to stay. And if I'm away, if I'm out of town traveling at the time, And I can't get home. And if they cut off our cell phone usage, if they don't allow people to move about, you know, you just have to, you're stuck where you are. I don't want y'all to worry about me because I will be fine. And I'm not going to worry about you because I'm going to put you in God's hands and put the angels around you just like I do every day of your life. But there was kind of a a knowing that something's going to happen. And when it does Don't be alarmed and don't have fear. Okay, so and then, um, of course, there's the crocodile dream. And that is part of, of this, too, because in the crocodile dream, I was standing on the shore of an island and the water out beyond me was beautiful, crystal clear blue water. I knew it wasn't in Texas. I can tell you that. So it must have been an island somewhere. But anyway, there was a deck that went out into the water. And then it turned to the right, a walkway, and then it came back to the land. Now, it was all the same water. The deck was just over the water. But the water inside that square that was formed by the deck was black and oily looking. It was very yucky looking. And so I saw a group of people over on the right deck and they were all looking out into the beautiful clear water. I'm going to go join them and I walk up the left deck and when I got about halfway down that deck, I saw this huge crocodile just float very, you know how they, they move real slow. You don't hear them. Anyway, it floated to the surface and the oily water is rolling off of its back but it wasn't an ordinary crocodile. The stomach was about four feet across and the rest of the body was comparatively as large. And I was gonna yell at the people because the crocodile was facing the people on the right deck. And before I could open my mouth to alert them to this crocodile, it moved with the speed of light and was up on that right deck opened its mouth and swallowed a man a whole just in one bite swallowed the man the people scattered the crocodiles back in the water and now he's looking at me i was standing there paralyzed with fear after i saw what happened and but now he's looking at me so i'm thinking i'm next on the menu right so um i was terrified but it was like in an instant, I felt this force coming up through my body, from the feet up, and it was filling me up and and causing me to I don't know, it's kind of like if you ever watched the cartoon Popeye, and he would eat that spinach, and all of a sudden he was pumped up with power. Well, that's kind of how it felt. As that happened, my right arm swung out, and I pointed with my index finger at that crocodile, and I said, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. And when I did that, the crocodile rolled over on its back and was dead. Okay, so God was teaching me about spiritual warfare and how to address the enemy and all of that. Well, even after I was talking about with my mother, in fact, the memory of these dreams and everything, I remembered a vision that I had had back in, must have been the late 80s or early 90s. A woman that I had known for years. She lived a distance from me, but she was having some health problems and she wanted me to come and pray for her to be healed. Well, I go to her house and I'm sitting at a table where they eat their meals and she's in the kitchen fixing something for us for lunch. And on the table is a fish bowl. Now, you'll remember some years back there was a fad. Everybody had this clear fish bowl with one of those fish at one fish. And it had those real wavy fins, you know, it was real graceful and beautiful fish. Well, she had one of those fish on her table and there was a plant sticking up out of this fish bowl and the roots were hanging down in the water. And the fish was, you know, every once in a while it would nibble on those roots because that it was making food for the fish. And while the lady is talking to me, it was one of the first times that I really remember hearing two conversations at one time because the lady was talking to me. I could hear everything she was saying. But at the same time, I'm looking at the fishbowl and I hear God say to me, do you see that fish? And I'm like, yeah. He said, that fish is in a very small bowl. It's confined to a very small space. I said, "Yep." Yeah. He said, but the fish has water. It has Sustenance with the roots, it has light from the windows, it has oxygen because the the uh, bowl is not covered up, it's open at the top, and it has water, so the fish, even though it's a very small confined space, is perfectly happy. It is at peace, and I'm seeing all of that, and while I'm looking at it and listening. Something happened. It was like I was sucked out of that chair, out of the house, and I was pulled way up to the point that I could see the outline of the United States that high. And then on the, the United States, what made the shape of the United States was millions of smaller fish bowls, which represented like the bowl that, was, that I was looking at on the table. So, here's all these fish bowls with the fish, and they're all at peace. And then, all of a sudden, I was sucked up even farther to the point that I could see the shape of the earth, and the earth was clear, like a glass ball, and there was water inside this glass ball, and there were millions of fish in that bowl, in that globe, which was the earth. And... It was so amazing. You know, it was just a a really strange experience to be taking place. Well, anyway, God said to me, as long as everyone has everything they need, all is well with their world. In other words, each fishbowl. But if you take away one element from that fishbowl, let's say we take the plant out. So now the fish no longer has the roots to nibble and get food from. So after a while it's going to be in distress because it has no food. Or leave the food in there but take the water out of the bowl. Now the fish is going to be in distress. Or leave the food in the water but put the bowl in a closet where it gets absolutely no light. After a while the plant is going to die because it has no light. Anyway, you get the you get the idea. So what God was showing me was that if you remove one element whether it be a paycheck, your health, marital problems, problems with your kids, any it can be anything and it's different for every household. You take one element out and that home is going to be in distress. Now I just I just remember, I hadn't thought about that vision in years. But that's how I see when this came It had an effect on every person in this world. They made you not go to work. They made you stay home. They made you wear a mask. They made people so fearful that they were going to die. I think that's what it did more than anything. After it jerked people off of the treadmill of life, as we know it, everyone was jerked off of that treadmill and made to be still. They couldn't go to work. That means they, they're not making a paycheck. That means they're at home and their kids are at home with them. And you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. So here's all these people stuck with each other for long periods of time, which people are not used to. People are not used to being together that much. And so I know that it caused a lot of turmoil and in a lot of homes. People were fearful. People were scared that they, you know, weren't going to have enough money. So we have a whole world whose peace has been disturbed, who life is not well anymore. And that happened to the whole world at one time. And then, of course, as time went on, we see the effects that it's having on the economy. People who who worked their whole lives long to establish, let's say, their own business. Now they can't even go to work. Their employees can't go to work. All of a sudden, in a very short time, there is a lot of stress because the economy is crashing, basically. The world, I told my mother, I said, mom, you know what this means? If this keeps up Our country is going to look like a third world country. There are going to be empty buildings everywhere. Poverty, everyone's going to be in poverty. And I didn't really know how to react to all of this. Now, in my house with Mike and me, we're at peace. But I'm looking at the whole world and the situation. And I really felt like this was, it's certainly not of God because I learned a long time ago to look for the fingerprints of whatever happens. And John 10, 10 is how I measured things. John 10, 10 says, For the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and more abundantly. So if we look at all of these things that are happening because of this virus, which as time goes on, we're learning more and more about it, where it came from. And especially, I mean, for me, it was like using common sense. Wait a minute. I mean, it's just like, wait a minute. This can't be what they say it is. I learned a long time ago, I don't believe everything I hear. They want us to think certain things. They want us to act certain ways. And I begin to feel like I was being, along with the rest of the world, duped. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not drinking this Kool-Aid because it's just a little too far out there. It reminded me of a science fiction. That's what I felt like. I was in a science fiction movie with all this going on. But I remembered a movie years ago called Fahrenheit 451 because as people would or would not wear, if they wouldn't wear a mask, people were being attacked because they didn't have on a mask. Because of the mass hysteria, that you were gonna get COVID and die. But in this movie, they had outlawed books. And anybody who knew of somebody who had books, it was your duty to turn them in. And they had these boxes on corners in certain places in the city. And they had a, a light post over it. And people would write down names of someone who had books and put it, drop it in this mailbox thing. And somebody would come and collect these names, and then they had these fire trucks, and that's what the uh, Fahrenheit 451 was the name of the fire trucks and the places where the fire trucks were kept. But these were not fire trucks to put out fires. They were fire trucks to go and burn down and tear down. They would go through the house, pulling the sheetrock off the walls. There would be uh, secret panels, and behind there would be books, and they would tear down the walls and tear down all the books, and then they would torch the whole place. And that's kind of how weird all of this seemed to me. You know, people wouldn't have on a mask and, and they would be turned in. I, I heard of cases where in a store they would go get a policeman because somebody wasn't wearing a mask. I mean, it's just crazy. And the thought of being a carrier or having it and not knowing it and giving it to somebody else. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I had COVID, I think I would know it. I think I would be having some symptoms. But then they talk about, you know, people who may have some symptoms should surely wear a mask and stay home and quarantine themselves. But even people who are well should wear a mask because you might have it and you might be carrying it and you don't know it. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Anytime I have been sick, I knew it. When I had a cold, I knew I had a cold. If I had the Throwing up virus, I knew I had a throw up virus. If I had diarrhea, I knew I had diarrhea. The flu, I knew I had the flu. I, I just can't even believe what I'm seeing with my eyes. And, and after a while, I'm just, I'm there. I'm done with the mask. And people have told me you're being irresponsible. And I'm in a place where I'm not willing to live the rest of my life behind a mask. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it. And I still, you know, Mike and I took several trips while this was going on. And, you know, at first I didn't want to travel. I'm saying, Mike, you know, they've closed down everything. He said, honey, it's going to be all right. We're going. (laughs) I said, Okay. So he leaves the room and I said, Lord, okay. my husband says we're going. So I'm asking you to orchestrate this so that we're not stranded somewhere or end up in jail. I mean, who knew what was going to happen? Things were being so crazy, but we went and guess what? It was fine. And where there were no rooms, we still found a room. Nothing was open. We couldn't rent a car. So somebody in the town that we had been communicating with, it was a real estate person, he said, don't worry about it. You can use one of our cars. And so we had a car the whole time we were there. I mean, really and truly, this has been a very little bit of inconvenience for Mike and me. And it reminded me of those dreams. It's like this really has had no effect, except that when Sheila did come to Texas, it was in March at the onset of this, and I had gone to a conference, and I had I had been sick, actually. I don't know. Maybe it was COVID. But when I came home from Lake Hamilton, I got really sick, and I was sick for about six weeks, didn't have time to go. I couldn't go to the grocery store or anything. So by the time I got to the grocery store, there was nothing in the stores, and my daughter had texted me from Utah, and she said, Mom, there are no groceries on the shelves in the store. Is it like that where you are? And I told her, I said, I really don't know, Katie. I haven't been to the store, but I have to go after this conference because I've been sick for a while, and I haven't been shopping, so we have nothing in the house. I had just about used up everything we had. So get to the store, and she was right. There was nothing. Couldn't find the toilet paper. Okay, so you take like the the fish in the fishbowl, you take a family in a home and take away their toilet paper, (laughs) there was distress for people and panic and people hoarding. And I mean, when it gets down to things like this, everybody gets into self-preservation mode. And it's too bad for the other people. They're going to buy as much as they can. My daughter even said she went to the store and she was going to buy some meat. And she's standing at the meat counter. And it was totally empty, as it was in the store that I went to. Totally empty. Of course, I I had some things in the freezer. But anyway, she said I was standing there thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? And a lady walked by and she said, honey, were were you looking for some meat? And she said, I was. So the lady took something out of her basket, some ground meat or something, and gave it to her. And I told her, I said, see there, Katie, God saw to it that you had meat. But the other thing that I told her at the onset, and I've even many teachings that I've been doing for years, talking about the kingdom and kingdom principles and things, is I said, you go home and you go to your pantry and you speak multiplication and increase to your pantry I said that's what Jesus did whenever he fed with the loaves and the fishes he lifted it up and he gave thanks for it and then he broke it and passed it out and they only had five loaves and two fish and he fed more than 5,000 people and was it just enough no they picked up like 12 baskets of leftovers This is what I love about the word of God. When I read the Old Testament, it showed me the ways of God and it showed me the nature of God and his faithfulness and the truth of God's word. And I thought about Hagar when Isaac was born. Sarah told Abraham, she's got to go. Her and the boy, they've got to get out of here because Isaac is not going to share his inheritance with this, the child of the bondwoman or the uh, her handmaiden. So yeah, that was upsetting to Abraham. He prayed about it, but you know what? God said, "Do what your wife said." I always like that part because you know sometimes wives do have insight that husbands don't. So Hagar, Abraham gave them food and water and them out of the gates of wherever they were and they had to go out and leave but the story of hagar it says that they had no water and no food and so she put the boy ishmael she put ishmael under by one bush and she went a distance away because i'm sure it was very painful for her to think of having to watch her child die so she went a distance away And they were both crying. And the word says, God heard the cries of the lad. And then he opened Hagar's eyes. Now, Hagar wasn't blind, but she was blind to the things of the kingdom. Here she was over there, no water, no food. But God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water, She didn't see the well of water before because that was in the earth realm, but God has shown me that the kingdom of God, Jesus said it is not. It is at hand. It is within you. So the kingdom is a realm within a realm. It's a, a kingdom realm within the earth realm. And Jesus walked in that realm when he was here on the earth. That's where he performed his miracles in that kingdom realm. Well, even for Hagar, he opened her spiritual eyes and she saw that well of water. Was it just a bottle of water? Was it just enough for her and Ishmael? No, it was a well that could be drawn from and drawn from and drawn from. Because haven't we all heard that God is a more than enough God? And so he provides. So when I reflected on these stories from the word of God, it kept me. It kept my faith. It kept my hope. There was no fear. And that's a a really good place to be because I know the God that I serve. When Moses brought the people out of Egypt, they went through the wilderness. They had to totally depend on God. Which, when we get in these situations, when these things in the world begin to happen, we're going to have to totally trust in God. I think about this when I think about people who are preppers. I don't criticize the preppers. I have a cousin that's a prepper, and I told her I was glad she was doing that. If I need food, I'll come to her house. <laughs> but And I say that lightly, but I trust God. Speaking of preppers, can you imagine... The Hebrews, when they were going to be leaving Egypt, if they had stored up enough food for those 40 years that they were going to be in the wilderness, they wouldn't have been able to get out of Egypt. But God provided everything they needed. He gave them food. He gave them water. He led them by a cloud during the day. And at night, there was a pillar of fire to keep them warm because it gets cold in the desert. And their clothes And their shoes did not wear out. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle God has done for his people. And so that's where I am in all of this. I know that COVID is real. I think that it was manufactured on purpose with a purpose. And we're seeing the purpose. We are seeing that this purpose was meant to cripple and if it could destroy America. So, Sheila, when we were talking about this after I did this show, sort of the same show with Omega Man. But afterwards, Sheila and I were having a conversation and we began to look at some other things, you know, because it's um, controversial for those that don't want to wear a mask. I mean, I was in a grocery store one day when it was really being pushed to, if you go outside, if you go anywhere, you wear a mask. And I was in the grocery store. I didn't have on a mask. I was in the grocery store, and there was an elderly man on one of those buggy things, and he was probably over 80 years old. And there was a, a lady who came into the store, and of course, she has on her mask, and she sees the elderly man, and she knows him. And she's talking to him. Oh, Mr. So-and-so, it's so good to see you and all of this. And then she gets around to, but I see you're not wearing a mask. Of course, I'm standing right around the corner from where she was. And he mumbled something back at her. And she goes, I know, but you really should be wearing a mask. And she's not saying this in a personal conversation way. She's saying it very loud. In the store, so that almost everybody could hear her badgering this man for not having on a mask. And I am, I'm bold, but I'm not as bold as I'd like to be in some situations because I told Mike, my husband, I said, it took everything in me not to step out and say, lady. Do you see that this man is almost 90 years old? Don't you think he knows how to take care of himself and if he was concerned at all that he would have on a mask? Oh, I just wanted to fight for him. But it has just gotten so out of hand and so crazy. Mike and I like to watch the Astros and they've got these cardboard people in the stands and they're piping in this fake noise. It is just, it's insane, it's insane. And on one of the trips that Mike and I took, we were outside on this balcony at this hotel, and it was a long balcony. It was across the whole front of the hotel on the second story. And so people would go out there with their coffee in the morning, or they would go out there in the evening and watch the sunset. It was in West Texas or. Central Texas, and this group of people walked out, and Mike and I were sitting out there by ourselves, and neither one of us had on a mask. These three couples walked out. They all have on masks, and they looked at us, and they went, oh, good, so they took their mask off, and then they struck up a conversation, and in the midst of the conversation, I was just listening to all of their thoughts and just listening to them, and I told them, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. In fact, I mean, I'm not a very militant person, but I am about ready to start a revolution over this. <laughs> and they said, well, we'd be right behind you. And I said, is that what people are waiting for? A leader to take the lead? The protesters have not had one bit of trouble going out and making their noise. And it caused me to think about a saying And I actually thought Martin Luther King had coined this phrase, but it wasn't. I looked up the original person who said it in the beginning. But the saying is, the reason evil is allowed to be prevalent is because good men do nothing. And that has really rung with me. I mean, my husband, even when we opened a business in Jasper, Texas, We didn't even live in Jasper. We had nothing to do with the city council there. We couldn't vote. So, you know, we were just kind of out of it. We did business there. But anyway, he would always fuss about these things, city government. And I said, well, Mike, why don't you run for office? They need some people in there like you that have sense and discernment and wisdom. And why don't you run for office? I think the church has for so long not been a part of those worldly systems that the evil people have just taken them over and then what do we do we we sit back and we gripe about it but why aren't we doing something about it so this COVID thing has really stirred up a lot of thoughts and emotions in me but not to the point of giving in to it and then that's when Sheila and I begin to talk about the flip side of this And that is, I looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went into the fiery furnace, but the word says that the fire had no power over them. And Daniel, Daniel went into the lion's den. You know, we we look at these stories. But if you really stop and think about what it would have been like to be thrown into a hit with ravenous, starving lions that should have torn him to pieces and ate him, but they didn't touch him. God protected him in that place. That's That was the other thing. God's protection, as I look back in the Old Testament at all the times, and even in the New Testament, when the disciples were like thrown in prison, angels came and let them out, you know? Those things really happened and we can if we belong to God, we can look for those things to happen with us in these situations. So one day I was leaving the house, I really did I did not want to put on a mask. I just I hated it. I couldn't stand that thing being on my face and then every time I would exhale, my glasses would fog up. So that was unpleasant too. So I just started praying before I left the house. Jesus one time when he asked for the book of Isaiah in Luke four eighteen he asked for them to bring the book. They brought it and he opened it up to the place and he read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. All of those things And the people were amazed at his words, the anointing on his words. They were amazed and they followed him. They would go places just to hear him. And then all of a sudden they start talking among themselves. Hey, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? And then all of a sudden, and here he is talking like he is this person that the scripture referred to, which is exactly what Jesus was telling them. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they were ready to kill him. They were ready to take him to a cliff and throw him over to the point that he would have died. But what did it say? They got right out to that cliff, and he turned and walked in their midst, and not one person touched him. So I got to thinking on that, and I began to pray before I would leave the house. Lord, that that you walked in. I know that at that instant, you walked in the kingdom, one of those kingdom things, one of those miraculous supernatural things, and you walked right through them and none of them touched you. That's where I want to walk. I am a kingdom person. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not even a citizen of this world. That was another thing that I thought about in all of this. Okay, this is happening to the world. But I'm not, I'm not a citizen of this world. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So how should I walk in this? So I, before I left the house, I said, Lord, I'm asking to have that anointing on me. That I can walk. I'm going to leave the house and do what I need to do. And I want to be hidden so that nobody even sees me. Nobody confronts me. Nobody attacks me all of those things that Jesus walked straight through those people that wanted to kill him and nobody touched him. That's that's how I want to walk. Also, the fact that the word says that we are hidden in God through Jesus Christ. Many times on my travels, my mother used to worry about me being in a Like, I would travel to North Texas to teach in a church or something. she said, "Well, well, I don't really like you on the road traveling by yourself. I said, Mama, when I'm going through these cities, nobody knows that I'm not, you know, that I don't live in that city. They're not all seeing me and saying, ooh, there's a woman traveling by herself. I said, I'm in the car. God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost are with me. And angels are with me. And I take that literally. I literally see myself in that way. And I've got to tell you, I travel very safely. I've never had a problem. There's never been anything scary. And that's how we should live our lives in this world. We're not in this world, but we're not of the world. And that's the way I finally have come to think about this whole situation. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. This has nothing to do with me, particularly. The other thing was When we started talking about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it came to me, I believe that the reason God delivered them is because Daniel refused to bow down to the decree that was made. There was um, a decree made that when they heard this horn or the bells or whatever it was, they all had to stop and bow. And Daniel was not going to do that. So He refused to do the decree. Now, the rest of the whole world did it. But Daniel said, I'm not doing that. So his faithfulness to God, because he knew God's faithfulness, but he was also faithful to God. And therefore, he was delivered when he was in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to do what the decree of the king that the whole rest of the world had to do and they said we won't do it well okay we're gonna throw you in this furnace well our God will deliver us see they knew God our God will deliver us he said but guess what even if he doesn't we are not gonna bow down and so their refusal to bow down to the world system what the world was making everybody else do is what caused God to deliver them from that fire, because not only God's faithfulness to them, but their faithfulness to God. I'm not ashamed to say that Jesus Christ, God, and the Holy Ghost, those are the ones that I will obey. Those are the ones that I have faith in. Those the ones that I'm going to be faithful to. I see God's faithfulness. If he's been faithful to his people all those times, he will be faithful with me. And so that's kind of where I've landed in all of this. I don't want people to be fearful. I I know that, that some of the things when they were jerked off of the treadmill of life, they, because of this deadly disease, which had people so fearful, they still are fearful. Now, my mom, who is 94, and they say the elderly, you know, should really be careful. She would talk to me about it. And I always tell her, don't take the vaccines. Don't go get that pneumonia vaccine. Don't go get the flu shot. Don't take the shingle shot. (laughs) You know, don't take any of these shots. And she hasn't. And I asked her when this came at first, and I said, mom, how many times have you taken the flu shot? She said, never. I said, How many times have you had the flu? She said, never. I said, why would you feel any differently about this? I said, mom, if this was as contagious as they say it is, there would be not hundreds of thousands, millions of people dying. This is like a flu and it does have bad effects on some people who have certain conditions already, but it's not nearly what they are causing all of us to believe that it is and destroying everything in our country. There is an evil agenda behind it, and I'm not willing to let this evil agenda overrule the power of God in me, in all of us. I hope that there's been something in here that would encourage you, that would cause you to think on some of these things. Sheila, it, did you have anything you wanted to add?
0: No, but where I really want to go right now is into some prayer. So let's do that, Carla.
1: Okay, so Sheila, I'm going to start. And and if God drops something in your spirit, you just jump in and we can just do it like that.
0: Okay, yeah, that sounds good.
1: Well, Father, right now, I bind the spirit of fear. That to me is the major one that Satan is wanting to hold us in Bondage, And one of the things that I think this has caused all of us to look at is, well, the ones who are fearing it is our mortality. So I just bind the spirit of death in this COVID virus. I bind it and break its power off of God's people. And I command that spirit to go right now. You spirit of death, get out. Fear and fear of death that all our lifetime holds us in bondage. I bind and break the power of the spirit of bondage and fear of death and fear of the COVID virus, fear of looking at your mortality, all the lying spirits involved, deception, hysteria panic, anxiety, oppression, depression, all those spirits that come down with all of those things. We thank you, Father, that in Luke 10, 19, you tell us that you've given us the power over all the power of the enemy, that nothing by any means should harm us. And I believe that, Lord. I take that literally. I come against all of the false peace and false security over a paper mask. Your blood is more powerful than anything in this world. Any mask, any vaccine, or social distancing could do for us. And we speak death to any viral bacteria or fungal infection that would try to invade our bodies. And if by chance they're in our bodies already, we speak death to it now in Jesus' name. And in the name of Jesus, we speak a reversal to any damage that's been done in our bodies. Lord, we cancel every plan and assignment that the enemy has against your people over this covid and what they so call preventative measures. If there's any sickness and disease in in bodies, if anybody has contacted it that is listening to this, I say be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I even I even pray that for the people that don't know you. I, I don't want anybody to be in that state of panic. Lord, this a perfect time that people have had to be still and know that you are God. Let this so backfire On those that have planned this evil agenda, that even as Haman was hanged on his own gallows that he built for Mordecai, let that be what happens to the evil agenda. The people that have poured this out on our world, on your world, your earth, and for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind and I thank you oh God for that sound mind that we who are yours can know that we don't have to fear but we can trust in you you are a faithful God and we thank you for that faithfulness we thank you for the protection over all the years over everything else that's happened in this world and all the sicknesses that are out there we thank you for your protection and Lord we're looking to you and I'm I ask that you would Open the eyes like you opened Hagar's eyes to see that well. I ask that you would begin to open the eyes of the people. I know that it is not your desire that any should perish. So we lift up all those that are running scared that they could look up from whence cometh their help and that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they have maybe never even known you but those that have in a way that they've never known you before in a greater measure pour out your power your love your peace your joy your well being that place of feeling safe and secure and Lord I pray for the little children whose parents are fearful and and under Stress that uh, have lost their jobs or whatever, that tensions are high. I just speak peace into those homes so that people can look to you and trust you and give their lives to you, that they can have the benefits that you have for them. That's my prayer, Lord.
0: Yes, and I come in agreement with that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Carla, that was really powerful, that show, and I hope it really encouraged a lot of people out there. Go back and listen to it again. I think there was a lot of meat in this show. And very quickly, Carla, for the new listeners, maybe they're tuning in for the first time they've never heard you, give out your information and how folks can find you.
1: Well, you can contact me with on my email, which is carlabutod at gmail.com. I have a website. It's a very basic website, but it's enough to contact me through. It's CarlaButa.com. And I will mention that there are some books available, especially if you want to enhance your prayer life. Sheila and I wrote a book called Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, and just gets so many testimonies of how it has changed people's lives. If I think it's still available on Amazon. We're hoping to change that before too long. And also, there is a Spanish version of this book in the works. It's not ready yet, but we'll surely let you know when it is. And I know that's really going to be a blessing to the Hispanic community and other countries that speak Spanish. I appreciate that you have a platform, you know, for God's Word to go forth. And it was good to be with you again.
0: Thank you. It was really good to have you on the program. Folks, that was Carla Butod, my very good friend out of Texas. You can check out her ministry. Again, the information is linked below her website. I really want to thank the people that tuned into the program today. And I really encourage people to share this. You know, it's really important that we just have an unwavering faith regardless of what's going on in this world. We've had so many distractions, and it's so important. You know what? We all love Trump, but it's really important to put our trust in no man. Lord, help us to be fixed on Jesus and not let our eyes get off that. It's really important right now to be praying right now. Folks, get in your prayer closet right now. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, this is not some cutesy phrase prayer is so powerful. Again, it goes back to what Carla just said. If you don't have a copy of Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, there is a very powerful prayer in there for our nation. And if you go over there to SheilaZalinski.com and you click on menu, you'll see prayers. If you click on that, there's a very, very powerful prayer that I wrote for Donald J. Trump and I really believe that is a powerful scripture-based prayer that is really going to help in the days to come because there's a lot more craziness on its way but folks let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus no matter what and that's essential as we navigate these these insane ups and downs that's exactly the focus of the book of Colossians written by the Apostle Paul. It offers us some really thought-provoking advice for how we are to build and sustain our faith with really powerful truths that we can apply today as we navigate this crazy culture. Paul emphasizes the importance of asking God for wisdom so we can live the lives God wants us to live. Many people, my emails show, are struggling in their lives to find hope and perseverance. Paul tells us that Jesus holds all things together and that God's fullness dwells in him. It's through Jesus that God chose to reconcile to himself all things. Christ Jesus is the hope of glory, and it is this hope that we can cling to no matter what we are facing in this life. When we struggle, we can turn to God in prayer and ask for wisdom and strength and courage to carry on, and that should be very, very inspirational. I hope you enjoyed this program. We'll see you real soon. Good night, and God bless you.